Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points Podcast. I'm your voice, Rudy St. Clair. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, where you can tell me I don't know basketball at NBA underscore Rudy. And also, I'm just not going to plug the Instagram anymore, at HustlePointsPod. You should go and follow it. Uh, Because I I think I I actually have a good idea for how to use the Instagram for this podcast. So stay tuned for that. It's it's really really not that complicated. But I'm going to be frank here. I'm not really a prolific Instagram user. So it's not exactly the most natural process for me to just adapt my content to Instagram like it's nothing. Something I got to put a little bit of thought into because it's kind of foreign territory for me. I'm more of a Twitter guy, you know. I like my words more than I like my pictures. But let's get right into the stories. Jimmy Butler finally got traded. Now, I almost thought about doing an emergency podcast in lieu of the situation and how it's something that everyone's been anticipating for so long. But I figured for that reason, actually, because everyone's been waiting on it to happen, I could afford to spend a few days just kind of collecting my thoughts and feeling out the reactions from the community and sort of reacting to those a little bit, along with my own takes and whatnot. It's unfortunate that a couple of fan favorites in Dario Saric and Robert Covington had to go in order to get Jimmy Butler to come, but... For the Sixers, I think this is a good move. I think it makes them a contender a lot more so than they were already. In, in my opinion, this season, they weren't really at contender status. But now now they might surprise people in the playoffs. You know, it's going to take probably a third of the remaining games. The first, the first chapter of this new saga with Jimmy Butler in Philadelphia this season is mostly going to be feeling it out. Maybe even the second chapter. But by the time it comes time for the playoffs... I think the raw talent on this team just can't be argued. I mean, at the press conference, they said that they definitely have three top 20 players in the league. Now, in my opinion, it might be closer to top 15. I'm not really sure. It depends on really where you put Butler, because I think I think Ben and Joel are definitely in the top 15. I think Joel might even be working his way into the top five the way he's playing this season. I know I know I, I didn't speak well in his name way back in episode one, if you can even remember, all the way to October. But I think he's really proven to be an elite player this season, not just a really good player, not just a star, but a superstar, a player good enough to absolutely build your team around and win a championship with, someone who you can depend on to get you buckets in the clutch. And that's all they do now. That's all Philadelphia does is just hand it off to Joel in the post and then Maybe see if JJ can run around to get an open shot. But like I said, it's unfortunate that two fan favorites had to go. Dario was just turning the season around where he started off on a very cold shooting streak. Wasn't very aggressive in his play. Really wasn't getting the buckets that he needed to get as a mostly offensive player. Not to not to say that he's not a good defender, uh, but he's he's not remarkable on defense. You know, he's 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 uh he's he's a fun player to watch, and I think it'll be. A better situation for him personally and his game, strictly basketball speaking, in Minnesota because he'll have a little bit more opportunity to handle the ball because there's so many ball handlers in Philly now. Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Bolts, all these guys are going to have to share the ball, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with having too much talent 
But it'll be good for Dario not having to compete with as many ball handlers now. I think he'll be able to go straight from the starting rotation in Philly into the starting rotation in Minnesota. I think Taj Gibson should come off the bench. But who knows? Tom Tom might run out there with five bigs on the floor. You know, start, start Gorgie at the two. Who knows? Robert Covington, also sad, I'm sure, to see him go. The Philly fans are. He He's another fan favorite. I keep saying that because... You gotta trust the process. You just, you just gotta. And these are a few of the process guys left. You know, you still got TJ McConnell. You still got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, who are all remnants of the process. But these were, as I said on the Ricky Sanchez podcast, these are their fucking guys. These are their fucking guys. And it sucks to see him go, but I'm happy for Philadelphia that they got a third guy because it really wasn't looking like Markel was gonna turn into that third guy. We really, just don't know. At, at the press conference, Jimmy seemed a lot more likable. Again, to reference the Rick, they said that this team got better, but it got a lot less likable. And that just depends on your opinion on Jimmy and if you are in love with Bobby Cove or not. I can't help but feel like there are some Philadelphia 76ers fans that put Robert Covington in like the top 25, which he's not. He's He's an exceptional player. I really do like Robert Covington. He's so fun to watch. He's been really fun to watch progress over these past few years. He works hard on the floor, hustles, gets rebounds, plays hard defense, hard defense. I mean, he is a not quite a top tier defender, but he's he's in that second or third tier of perimeter defenders, in my opinion. Not even not maybe not exactly underappreciated, but you you know what? Screw it. I'll say he's underappreciated. Yeah, yeah. Robert Covington is an underappreciated defender around the league. Uh, he's kind of in that Contavious Caldwell Pope club of guys who look like they can shoot and who you kind of believe they can shoot, but are way too streaky to be considered consistent in any form. They're shooters. They like to shoot. They don't hesitate, but they don't always go in. They just don't always go in. Jimmy Butler at the press conference was wearing a hoodie because he said that the suit showed up late, which is fine. I have absolutely no problem with that. If anything, I think it if anything, I think it makes Jimmy more likable. He he was preaching about telling the truth when he was talking to Rachel Nichols and ESPN doing that post screaming practice interview. And I think it's it's funny and backs that how he just admits like, sorry, I'm not wearing a suit. It it showed up late. You know, he could have said it didn't show up at all or he could he could have said anything. He could have said anything. But saying that the suit showed up late but you still chose not to hurry up and put it on. I mean, that's that's fine. Jimmy's a cool dude. He can pull off a hoodie at a press conference. You know, he thinks he's Kobe and Michael out there with his attitude, allegedly. He he denies having an attitude. In, in the press conference, he said that his teammates will always tell you that he's been a good teammate to them in the past. Now, he did leave a little bit of room. I shouldn't say always. He He said that if I recall correctly, he said that most of his teammates will tell you that he's been a good teammate in the past. So a little bit of room for us to make a decision on if the rumors are true or not about Jimmy Butler. But let's all let's all just face maybe not the facts, but the music. Let's just face the music of the reports that say that Jimmy's been an asshole and let that narrative continue. I'm not trying to create fake news. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy was out there saying, well, they always say that. It's just sources say. You never hear that players say anything about me. So maybe he has a little bit of point there. We'll see how it works out in Philly. If if there's a situation in this next season, or if they extend him in the coming seasons, which 
you know, he, he does only have this season. They had Robert Covington after this season. But that's the risk you're willing to take. Anyway, if, if there's any sort of turmoil in Philadelphia that is anyway tied to Jimmy, then I think it might be safe to assume that at least most of what we heard about his time in Chicago and Minnesota kind of disrupting those locker rooms are true. I, I think that's a fair assumption to make. At least it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how Jimmy and Markel work together. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm very excited to see how this pans out because while I don't exactly love Markel's game, I've kind of backed on him a, f- a few times on this podcast. He separated from a shooting coach. They're no longer on speaking terms, according to the report. But we'll we'll see how Jimmy influences his shot. I kind of believe I'm, I'm leaning more towards like 60-40 that Jimmy's going to ruin him and just obliterate his psyche, make him completely forget how to shoot and take away all of his confidence, call him a few names, get in his head. I don't know. There's no way of knowing how these guys actually behave until you get to know them. But 40% of me is still holding out and saying that Jimmy's going to light a fire under him and really make him break out and look like he's something closer to the player that we all thought he would be coming out of college. I just wish that he would play with confidence in his shot. Now, when I was watching the Sixers Heat game, that that game looks a little bit different. The Sixers really did a good job of feeding the ball to the hot hand, and Markel was playing pretty aggressive. As as a primary ball handler, you know, he would come up and do his usual drive and kick thing, but he wouldn't hesitate to run back out to the arc and if they gave it back to him to drive again. It was really good to see Markel play with just a little bit of fire, with just a little bit of fire, and I would like to see Jimmy unlock that in him. Now, what I didn't like to see out of Markel was that fake free throw. I mean, oh my goodness, I screamed. I was screaming because I've just never seen anything like that. In my entirety of watching basketball, I've never seen anybody accidentally fake a free throw. That That's just insane. It really leads me to believe that he may or may not have even ever been injured and he sincerely just forgot how to shoot. Now, I think that is a really long shot conspiracy, if you can call it a conspiracy, but it's a possibility because you don't just hesitate like that on a free throw. Now, he says the ball slipped. The ball clearly didn't slip. So, I don't know. You can take that at face value, I guess. But Markel faked a free throw on accident. That's all you need to know. People are talking about this Jimmy trade like it's going to swing the East to be the stronger conference. I'm not really sure about that. I mean, the Bucks are really good. I watched them beat the Warriors. The Raptors are the best team in the East by far by far and away, honestly. I don't even think it's close. I thought the Raptors were the best team in the East last year until the playoffs came. And now they traded just two dudes for two better dudes. Uh, Danny Green is better than Jakob Pertl, point blank period. And Kawhi Leonard is better than DeMar DeRozan, point blank period. I'm, I'm sorry, DeMar. I'm sorry. I really love you. Your, your game is so fun to watch. You're like the second coming of Kobe with a little bit less swag. Honestly, a lot less swag. I, I feel like DeMar doesn't need to put on some illusion of a Mamba mentality to go out there and get buckets. DeMar is not really a swaggy type of guy. He's he's a bucket getter. So I like DeMar's cam, but Kawhi is definitely better. Elite defender. The East is very good, but the West is still the West. There's There's just, there's no denying it. The West is still the West. We lose LeBron in the East and then gain Jimmy Butler 
And so somehow that makes the East the stronger conference. Does that mean that Jimmy Butler is better than LeBron? You know, maybe at some points during the regular season when LeBron's out there just not even kind of trying on defense, he might be a better two-way player. But LeBron is LeBron. There's, there's no arguing that Jimmy Butler is actually better than LeBron. But yeah, so with the East-West divide thing, with the, the sort of balance of power between the two, I do believe the Western Conference is still the better conference. And people who are saying this Jimmy Butler thing swings the balance of power in favor of the East, they're wrong. You're just plain wrong. We forget about sort of how the power balance between the two conferences, not this past offseason so much, but the offseason before, really saw a lot more talent going west. Now the East did get Kawhi this previous offseason, so I think that is worth considering if you're questioning this for yourself. I just think that if people weren't willing to give East credit for at least being a lot closer to the West already, just by virtue of this Kawhi for LeBron swap, then I don't think Jimmy Butler coming to the East really swings it that much to the point of the East being the better conference. Now, maybe, just maybe, if you want to make a list of guys who you consider superstars and how many of those guys are in the East versus how many of those guys are in the West, maybe that's a more fair conversation about power balance. But as far as actual teams go, I believe that there's really only four or five decent teams in the East, and there's probably eight or nine decent teams in the West. So you can take that as you may. With that trade being made, there's still one roster spot open. I think that Kyle Korver would be a very natural fit into this team to come off the bench, give them a little bit more shooting, a little bit more floor spacing, get them some buckets off of the bench for that second unit. But I think a better guy for that spot would be Mo Spates, Mo Buckets, if you will, uh, former 76er, former champion warrior. If I'm not mistaken, was he a champion? Look that up right quick. Mo Spates. Ah, yeah, I was right. All right. NBA champion Mo Spates, I think, would be a very good fit on this Philadelphia team. I believe with the loss of Dario Saric, you could use another big man on the roster, especially one who can shoot and spread the floor. And Mo Buckets will get you buckets from the three-point line. That man can shoot. If you want to buy him out of his China contract, Philadelphia, I recommend you go ahead and do so. And it won't cost you as much as Kyle Korver because you don't have to pay a first-round pick. You just have to pay for the buyout of his contract in China. So go ahead and get Mo Buckets if you can. If you can't, then it is still only November, so guys are willing to get rid of guys who they couldn't get rid of over the offseason. Point is, there's lots of guys out there. But you know who I don't want to see on the 76ers roster taking up that last spot? is Carmelo Anthony, because as he is not exactly yet no longer officially a Rocket, he is spiritually no longer a Rocket. He is he is not actually part of the organization, even though he technically is. He hasn't been playing, and reports have been saying for multiple days that players expect him to be waived. Everyone just expects him to be waived. Daryl Morey came out and said that it was unfair how the media was reporting on it, but he didn't exactly deny that they're considering waving Mello. Um, he was saying things, Daryl Morey, the, the GM of the Rockets, was saying that if Mello is healthy, then he expects him to play, so he's not suggesting that he's faking an illness. But who knows? Who really knows? 
you just got to say the right things in the eye of the public when you're part of the association. The, the league has their rules for what you can and cannot say as a member of the organization, just like how you can't publicly request a trade as a player. As a GM, you can't say, yeah, we're just we're just benching them because we're about to waive them, but we haven't yet. Now, I don't know if that's exactly true, if that's a, if that's a literally written rule, but at the very least, it's, it's, it's an unwritten rule. So Melo's out, and I don't think he would really be a very good fit on the Sixers, or the Celtics for that matter, with that weird passive Kyrie comment about needing a 14 or 15 year veteran, whatever that means. Um, Kyrie, that's, that's supposed to be you kind of guiding the presence in the locker room. You also have other very long-term veterans on the team, like Al Horford. So I don't really understand this comment, and I don't want to see Carmelo Anthony go to the Celtics or the 76ers. Honestly, I don't want to see Carmelo go anywhere because I don't think he's an effective player anymore. And I was talking about this on Twitter. I think he might have, should have retired Nick. I think that would have been better for his legacy because, and and forgive me, there's a lot of recency bias coming into play here and a lot of personal bias, Not maybe not a lot, but at least a little bit of personal bias coming into play here as someone who watched their favorite player get traded away from their favorite team um, because of Carmelo Anthony, uh, Chauncey Billups going to the Knicks. Uh, that That hurt me way back in the day, but I'm past that now. I don't sincerely believe that that's coming too much into play in my judgment here. But recently, Carmelo Anthony's legacy has kind of been kind of been damaged a little bit just because of his poor play in these past two seasons. It's a, it's a shame. It, I would have liked to have seen him retire a couple of years ago. I would have liked to see the Thunder have a little bit more success last year. And they would have, in my opinion, if they would have never traded for Melo. Um but they got they got Russell Westbrook to sign that long contract after trading for after trading for Melo, so maybe that was the success for the Thunder organization. Anyway, if you really want to make a move, you really want to get a good backup big. Cause as good as Mike Muscala has been, you, you could still you could still improve on Mike Muscala's play. I, I would go out and get a a Boban Marjanovic, maybe. But I don't think the Clippers would give him up. I mean, he's the best guy in the league. He's he's just, he's the best. There's no one better in the association than Boban Marjanovic. So I don't, I don't know why the Clippers would trade him. I shouldn't have even said that. Moving on, the Warriors have lost every game I've watched them play this season. So all three, all three Warriors losses have been the only three Warriors games which I have watched. Uh, Warriors fans might not want me to watch as many Warriors games then. I guess I'm just bad luck. But those three losses include these two very recent ones to the Milwaukee Bucks, where entering the fourth quarter, I believe they're already down 26 points, and Steve Kerr just played the bench almost the entire fourth quarter and basically admitted defeat after three quarters of play. The Bucks were making all their shots and playing good defense, and the Warriors weren't making their shots and weren't playing good defense. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It was just one of those nights where everybody was off on one team and everybody was on on the other. I don't want to discount how well the Bucks played because the Bucks played pretty well. But even in moments where they had defensive lapses and left open shots on the floor for the Warriors, the Warriors were still missing. Warriors didn't look like the Warriors most of that game. What can I say? 
it, there's going to be nights like that, especially against good teams from the other conference. But the Warriors were at home, so that was a little bit off-putting. It would have been one thing if they were in Milwaukee and lost. Then I think this would have been a little bit less surprising. But the fact that the margin was so significant and that it was at home isn't necessarily concerning if you're a Warriors fan, but it's worth it's worth taking note of. It's worth noting that this team is not invincible. Okay? This isn't a super, super team. It's just a regular super team. And honestly, if super team implies that it was constructed in a way similar to how the Miami super team was, I, I don't think that this team was really formulated like that. If you look at the 73-win team, a.k.a. the pre-Durant Warriors, this team was constructed in the most traditionalist sense possible. They maximized their value out of the draft with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, as well as Steph Curry being chosen over Monte Ellis way back in the day. Not in the draft, but as a franchise. That was the, the turning point for the, the, the team as a whole, was when they chose to go with the youth and take a chance on giving the team to Steph Curry instead of sticking with the veteran presence of Monte Ellis. And Monte was still good. This wasn't when Monte was just a poor man's Jamal Crawford. This was when Monte was a not an elite shooting guard, but a all-star caliber player. So they took that risk, built the team around their youth, and ended up designing one of the best teams of all time. And then they also added Kevin Durant. So I guess it's kind of a super team, but... It's not your traditional super team. The Warriors are honestly an exceptional organization, and I think it's going to be very interesting many, many years from now how we remember this team. I think there'll be lots of different schools of thought on this Warriors franchise, this Warriors dynasty, if you will. But after they lost to the Bucks, they picked up an easy win against the Nets, and then they went on to loose the Clippers in overtime. Now, before we get into the Warriors portion of that story, I just want to say real quick, shout out to the Clippers. They are a fun team to watch this season, although they don't have a bona fide superstar other than Boban Marjanovic. The Clippers are still exceptional. I really enjoy watching them play. They remind me a lot of the old Nuggets teams that were post-Carmelo Anthony when they were just loaded up with guys and never had a central talent, but just had above-average talent throughout the whole roster, it seems. Maybe it's just the presence of Danilo Gallinari, but this team just reminds me a lot of those Nuggets, and I like it, because I like those Nuggets. What can I say? I'm a sentimental guy. But getting back to the Warriors, it was very fun to watch this game unfold, because with the last four minutes of the game, roughly, the Warriors went on an 11-0 run to tie the game at 106, and then with less than 10 seconds left, Draymond Green got a rebound and started dribbling it up the floor, and he had KD a little bit behind him and next to him in the backcourt, and he drives the lane, clock's winding down, 3-2, and then he trips. The clock winds out, they don't get a shot off, eventually they go on to lose the game. Now, as entertaining as that action on the floor is on its own, the story which unfolds from this event is what's really interesting. Kevin Durant and Draymond Green got into a verbal altercation, if you will, on the bench between the fourth quarter and overtime, and eventually, after the loss, carried it back into the locker room. This resulted in Draymond Green getting suspended by 
the Warriors for one game, costing him roughly uh, one-eighth of a million dollars, which is chump change to an NBA player, let's be honest here. It's a, a lot more than the other fines that are being handed out by the league for a little bit more gratuitous offenses. While Draymond and KD were kind of getting at it on the bench a little bit, you could see Kevin shaking his head. At one point, I saw him mouth, I'm just here to play basketball. At least that's how I read it. And then when Draymond kind of storms away, Boogie was there to sort of confide in him, calm him down, tell him, let's just play basketball, get over this. And uh, I think it was kind of interesting to see that clip too, because when Boogie signed there, one of the first things I thought of was, wow, this is absolutely incredible to have these two hyper-expressive dudes, two of the most expressive dudes in the whole league, on the same team. I, I had actually first conceived of this pairing of Draymond and Boogie way back when I was envisioning a scenario where Anthony Davis was getting traded to the Warriors. And I figured the price probably be Draymond Green. At the time, Boogie was on the Pelicans and looked like they might re-sign him because it was before the Achilles injury when I was entertaining this thought. And I figured if you're the Warriors, you're willing to trade Draymond Green for Anthony Davis. No disrespect to Draymond Green. I think he's a top three big man in the league. We we don't count Boban in our in our top threes, top fives here. Boban is an exception. He's he's in a league of his own, if you will. But no disrespect to Draymond Green. I think him and Anthony Davis are both top three big men in the league. In fact, if you want my top three big men, I'll go ahead and give it to you. It's Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid. And Draymond Green. Uh, we're not going to get too much into that right now, but like I said, when I was first conceiving of this pairing, I imagined it in New Orleans, and I thought that would really give the Pelicans a nice advantage of having those two on the same team leading the way. But now in this cult of many personalities, that is the Warriors, they are just one little layer of this whole organization. Um, reports say that Draymond Green called Kevin Durant a bitch multiple times. And that is what actually led to the suspension. And Kevin Durant actually came out today uh, and was quoted in an article saying he would like to keep the Warriors' problems like this in-house, quote-unquote, in-house, which definitely aligns with what Kevin has shown his values to be in the past, how... Way back when he was in Oklahoma, we never really heard of him really having a problem with Billy Donovan or Russell Westbrook or the organization or anything, really, the entire time he was there. He was a good teammate, really good public figure, never had any expressed grievances about the organization. But we all know that he went off and liked some Instagram comment about how he left Oklahoma because of Russ and because of Donovan. And maybe if he had actually expressed these things to the media, it wouldn't have seemed so surprising for him to just like something on Instagram. But now, between that and the burner accounts on Twitter, Kevin Durant liking to keep things in-house is, is part of his legacy. But who doesn't like to keep their problems out of the eyes of the public? So I can't blame him for that. But seeing Draymond get suspended for one game for calling Kevin Durant a bitch... And also questioning him about his impending free agency. I mean, that that's some zero to 100 real quick type stuff. That That is just ridiculous. 
And it's just like, hey, man, why didn't you pass me the ball? Why didn't you sign a longer-term contract? I mean, that's, that's just crazy. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, seven seconds or less. This is where I put 45 seconds on the clock and read and react to seven headlines from the recent NBA blogosphere. And that gives me less than seven seconds per headline to read and react, hence the name seven seconds or less, if you don't know, inspired by the Mike D'Antoni offense invented over 10 years ago, which so prolifically influences the league now. And so without any further ado, here we go. Scary Terry draws interest from seven teams, but Danny Ainge denies it. Rozier is just waiting to get $80 million from the Magic next season. The All-Star Draft will be televised, and in my opinion, we should kick off the weekend with this and give the media enough time to put eyes on the All-Star weekend, but without actually wearing it out. Curry is as productive from 28 feet and beyond as the average NBA dunk. No question, Curry leads the MVP race. Jokic was fined $25,000 from telling a no-homo joke to media members, and honestly, he should have fined him more. Kyrie was fined the same amount for throwing a ball to the stands, and the meme was priceless. Kyrie throwing a globe is freaking hilarious. Cavs win their second game. Baby Sexton can play. And last one, Sixers won't get 50 wins in spite of the Butler move. That's right, I'm doubling, doubling down, sort of, on my Sixers prediction, because in the previous episodes, I have been talking about my Sixers win prediction. Previously, my line was at 46 and a half. It is now moved to 49 and a half. So I'm still taking the under. I'm still saying that they get 49 wins exactly, but definitely not 50 because this team is still going to have to adjust to both Markel and Jimmy now. And while I think they do substantially improve by adding Jimmy Butler, it is not enough to overcome the adjustment period, but it's enough to win them a few more games. So I'll set the line at 49 and a half with that. I will say thank you for listening. Have a great day. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy. You can follow me on Instagram at HustlePointsPod. And be sure to subscribe. Rate five stars on iTunes because we're on iTunes now. It's not just on Anchor and Pocket Cast. And no, it's on all the platforms. So however you listen, be sure to rate it positively. And with that, again, thank you and goodbye. Oh.